0: I'm going to talk to you today on the joy genome. I'm going to speak on joy today, the joy genome. And I want to open my heart to you and open your spirit to the Lord and ask God to help us. You know, a woman came to Jesus one day in John 4 and he was sitting on a well and he asked her for a drink. And, uh, and, and she said, how is it you being a Jew ask me a Samaritan for a drink? And he said, if you knew. If you knew the gift of God and who it was that spoke to you, you would ask Him. You would ask Him for a drink, and He would give you living water that you would never thirst again. And she she learned a great lesson that day. She really did. He he uh, he, he became great in her life. But she looked, and 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 there was two things. There was two things that she really wanted to ask him. Number one, she wanted to ask him, "Well, where's your well?" But the well was there, so she couldn't ask him about the well but she did say this the well is deep and you don't have anything to draw with there's nothing nothing to draw water from the well with but what she did not know is that Isaiah said it a long time ago in his book in his prophetic book that with joy you draw water from the wells of salvation there is a there's a fabulous fascination with this word joy joy people have Acronymed it. They have done a lot of things with it. They have said Jesus, others, and you. They've done a lot of things with it. They have, they, have, they have preached it backwards, Y-O-J. They've done a whole lot of things trying to make joy something that sometimes it's really not. But the joy of the Lord is still, Nehemiah said, our strength. Yeah. It is still our strength. And in the middle of summer, right here in the middle of summer, I really believe with everything that's in me that... Every one of us need to have an understanding and understand the joy genome. We need to understand what is the master plan. What is the thing that ties it all together in our life. So I'm going to ask you to help me today. I'm going to I'm ask you to act like that you're enjoying what I'm preaching about today. <laughs> Amen. Because it's going to, we're going to have some fun here today. You ready? All right. Turn to somebody and say, I don't know if I know what a genome is, but maybe we'll understand, and then you may be seated in the name of the Lord. God bless you. Amen. Oh, that got you happy. The joy genome. Philippians is considered the happiest, most joyful book of the entire Bible. And right here in the middle of summer in Austin, Texas, it's hot. Thank God it's not raining today. I trust it rains tonight. You know me as a pastor, I love rain at night, not in the morning, not during church. And right here in the middle of summer in Austin, I think the world, I think Texas, I think Austin, I think Christian Life Church could use a great big dose of happiness and joy. I really, really do. Jesus centered joy. The happiest book in the Bible, guys, was written from a prison cell. Now, I want you to get that. that that's going to come into play in a little bit. The happiest book in the Bible was written from a prison cell. Paul wrote four books from that prison cell. He wrote Ephesians. He wrote the book of Galatians. And he wrote a book of one chapter to a man named Philemon. And then he wrote this Philippian church. And it's hard to imagine... Because we probably think when Paul wrote this book that perhaps he was coming home from a great crusade. Maybe one of his three great crusades that he went on. Or maybe, maybe he was in a mineral bath. Maybe he was getting himself all cleaned up. Or maybe he was in a green room after a great service getting his neck and shoulders rubbed by some servant of the Lord. But it wasn't. He was in lockdown. And yet he writes a happy book. He writes a book of joy. He writes a book of contentment. And he was saying to the people in Philippi, he was saying to that church in Philippi, I want you to have restored joy. I want the joy of the Lord to be in your life. And so he writes this book. And I really believe that the Philippian letter was, I really believe this, was Paul's favorite letter. I believe it was his most awesome, awesome letter because he writes it this way. Now, I want you to know Philippians 1 and 12 through 21. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. And as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. I'm locked down for him. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others preach Christ out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincere, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? That's my favorite part of this verse. What does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, I shall continue. I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. And I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death, for me to live, for to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. I'll say it again, verse 18 of this text. The verse 18 is really the crux of the whole thing. So what, he said, so what? So what? People are preaching wrong. So what? People are preaching right. So what? Christ is being preached no matter. What does it matter? What are you going to do? Because the thing that's happening because of my change, now you got to get this right off the bat, is that Christ is being preached. Right off the bat, you got to get this. Two times Paul says, what has happened to me? Verse 12 and verse 19. Then he says, I will continue to rejoice. No matter what's happened to me, I will continue to rejoice. The dominant word in the book of Philippians is the word joy or rejoice. We've got to rejoice. In everything, we need to rejoice. No matter what comes our way, we need to rejoice. No matter what happens tomorrow, we must rejoice. No matter what happened yesterday, we must rejoice. No matter what your day holds, you must be a rejoicing person because we rejoice. And he said, and again, I'm going to rejoice. I will continue to rejoice in the Lord no matter if I stay here or if I walk free. I'm going to rejoice in God Almighty. (laughs) Amen. Now, the word genome. Genome is a word that I did not know what, what it meant. Or what it even was. But I want to tell you. Genome is simply a word that contains all the genetic material for any particular organism. The chromosomes. The DNA. The genes. All the particulars that go into a particular organism. And the genes send out all the information to the proteins. That are required to sustain that organism. And the proteins determine what an organism going to look like what an organism is going to be healthy or, or not healthy, and often the behavior of that organism. So a genome, simply simply put, folks, is the master blueprint for the entire body. The genome is what puts this body together. It's my DNA. It's my chromosomes. It's my genes. It's the things that put things into proteins that tell me what I'm going to look like and how. no wonder how good-looking I am and how healthy I am. And you can say the same thing about you. And often the behavior of an organism. And so a genome is the master blueprint for the body. But in the book of Philippians, we see the theme of joy. And yet, a man is in prison. Oh, I want to preach this today. So we must look into this word more closely to see what is the underlying theme. What is the master? What is the genome, the master blueprint of this thing called joy? For here is a man locked down between praetorian guards. They changed those guards about every six hours. He was locked down to guards. He had to ask permission to use his right hand to perhaps write, or if he's a left-hander, to write his left hand so he could write on a scroll the things that he is writing. And, And yet he had joy inside of him in prison, locked down, and he had joy. There are people all over the world with nothing, so so to speak, materially, with nothing, so to speak, financially, yet they have joy. They smile all the time. They simply have the peace of God that passes understanding. And many people with great wealth and and great health and lifestyles that are above all are not possessing it at all. There was a recent article. Uh, How many of you folks... How many of you folks Facebook? Let me see your hand. Let me, let me get my glasses on. How many of you folks Facebook? Keep your hands up. You're going to be marked today. All right, you're marked. You're marked. You're marked. All right, how many of you don't Facebook? Blessed be the name. Blessed. I don't Facebook. I tweet. I like, I, you know why I, I tweet? Because I like the way it sounds. I tweet. I'm on Twitter. And uh, I tweet uh, just good news. Not much, just good news. I tweet about Jesus. I tweet about the church. I tweet about my family. And I tweet about the Spurs until they got beat. <laughs> I don't tweet about them. I'll, I'll pick that up next, next fall. But there's a new prototype for Facebook. They're developing this prototype of gross national happiness. Have you all heard about it? And they do these algorithms and they, they see words that people are using on Facebook. And by collecting them and by putting them together, they can see how happy America is or how sad America is. And they do special days like Thanksgiving and Christmas or Easter or the New Year's Day. And they want to see what is the favorite holiday by the joy that is written on Facebook. You're being, you're being looked at by this prototype and they're trying to see if America's a happy nation or if America's an unhappy nation. And they call it gross national happiness. I wonder if they came in here and ran their little algorithms on us. I wonder if they'd do us, if they just did churches. I wonder if Christian people would come across as being happy people and joyful people. I wonder if our gross national happiness would be joyful here in this church. Does anybody have any joy inside of you today? Does anybody have? Anybody? Anybody? I think it's neat. So Paul is defining his circumstances. He really is. And verse 12, he says, I want you to know something. I am in prison. I'm locked up. The guards are everywhere. I'm chained. But what has happened to me has served to further the gospel. He said, I'm hurting. It's painful. But there is a higher purpose. And that is what I know. This is what I know. It's moving the message of Jesus Christ down the field. And in verse 13, he said, I am in chains for Christ, but the gospel is getting out. The gospel is getting out. So so I, I, I got to thinking, I wonder if Paul, if, if Paul used Facebook, what Facebook would look like? If Paul tweeted, what would tweet look like? If Paul used Facebook, so... So I had Jaron make us up a Facebook page here today. Look at it right here right quick. There he is, Paul of Tarsus. See him right there? See, if Paul used Facebook. So, so he's got stuff on there like beaten and flogged. This, this is 18 hours ago. Beaten and flogged 21 hours ago. Literally within the inch of my life. This is going to hurt in the morning. So he writes again. Flogged again, definitely worse than the first time. So he writes again. Guess what? More flogging today. You'd think I'd get used to this, but it's, it's not going well. Now, the fourth, fourth text, flogged again, Fourth, fourth uh, Facebook, flogged again, fifth time for these. Keeping track at home? And then Silas says, whoa, man. <laughs> and see his buddies over there? See, see Ananias, the man that prayed for him and his shackles fell off his eyes? See, there's Silas and there's Timothy and, oh, God, there's Rick Warren. Jaron put Rick Warren in there. And then there's Barnabas. And then there's Josh Reynolds. But it doesn't look like Josh. It's a good-looking man. And, and then on the bottom is Mitch Rose. Because I thought Mitch could be up there because he could talk politics with Paul, you know. So that's, that's it. That, that, that's, if Paul had a Facebook, he, he, he writes at the top, out of money, this is his status. Out of money, haven't eaten in days. Really starting to feel it. Uh, wondering where my next meal will come from. That's, that's his status. That's his status. That's if Paul had Facebook. That's what it looked like. And uh, it's pretty real, isn't it? Kind of puts it in today's language. Paul went through hell to bring heaven to the Gentiles. And I wonder if we left that up there just for a little while, what Paul's gross national happiness update would look like. But here is Paul's status update, okay? We're going to read Paul's status update. If Paul had Twitter or if Paul had Facebook, I think he might put something like this on it, Second Corinthians. Now, now if you want to hold your children's ears because this might be a little bit too rigid for some of your kids to listen to, but here's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 11, are they servants of Christ? I'm out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received. In other words, he received five times and the Jews of 40 stripes minus one. He received what Jesus got one time before he went to the cross. He got that five times. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. That means with stones. That don't mean with drugs. That means with stones. That's stones. That's real stones, not... Oh, Mom, I saw it in the Bible. It's, it's, I, I can get stoned. No, that's, that means with stone. <laughs> Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false believers or brethrens. Brothers, I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have often time without food. And I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. And somebody would say, Paul, you need to hush. But he, he, he wasn't saying that so he could tell us how bad things were. He was saying that because I want to tell you after my status update, I'm still going to continue to rejoice. Some of us write one one of those scriptures and we couldn't come to church for two months, but Paul said, I'm going to continue to rejoice. So what is the joy genome? He said, I'm in prison for the sake of the gospel and I'm still rejoicing. My question to you today, what kind of DNA did that man possess? What did he possess? I'll tell you what he possessed. He didn't let circumstances rob him of what his God was doing on the inside of him. That's what his status was. Amen. I've got a question for you. I've got a question for you. What is, the, what is the personal prison that some of you are living in today? What are you struggling with that has, has, has you on lockdown that keeps you from saying, "I will continue to rejoice in the Lord? What's keeping you from the Jesus joy that Jesus wants you to possess? Is it a cold, hard marriage? really? Is it a cold, hard marriage? I, I thought about it. Terrible place to serve out a sentence in a cold, hard marriage. It really is two people in one house that don't love each other. You drive by your own house and try to yourself that that's the place you need to go and spend the night tonight it's not easy or how about relationship with your kids worst worst form of behind bars it's worse than anything you could ever imagine trying to get into their heads when they become rebellious when they become aloof or perhaps you're single and you're lonely and and you live isolated and people keep telling you you know marriage is not necessarily where it's at but at least you can say well at least i'd like to try and see if i can find where it's at And so you're single. Perhaps it's a physical disease like cancer. And you're fighting cancer and you're battling a disease. You're battling a heart condition today. And there's a lot of stuff going on. Or perhaps a disability and you can't do what you want. Oh, you'd like to get up and do it, but you can't do it. Or perhaps it's a financial prison. Maybe Visa and MasterCard and Amex is serving you a cold card statement every month. And you've got your own prison and it's very cold. And it's your Shawshank and you're hung up. And you're saying, I don't know what I'm going to do. What is your personal prison? That's not important it to me as is what is your genome what is your joy genome today is it circum oh hallelujah is it the circumstances that surround you or it is a presence and the power of God that lives inside of you that's what I'm preaching about today what is your joy genome today amen amen Paul knows something in prison. He had a revelation. He had an it factor. He had that something. And what Paul knew, we need to know today. And Here it is. I'm going to put it on the screen. You might want to write it. True joy is not defined by my status. True joy is defined by God's purpose, God's process, and God's promise. True joy is not defined by my status. Boy, I feel like preaching today. True joy is defined by God's purpose and God's process and God's promise. Oh, Pastor, you've probably never known what I've known in my life. Don't go there with me. Don't go there with me. Let's don't get on that chapter because I promise you all of us have had our prisons in our life. We've all been on lockdown by something. You need to file this. You need to file what I've just said. I was walking the streets one day. I was really, when I first came to Austin, I did door-to-door evangelism, and I was walking the streets one day. And it's been several years ago. It was a long time after I'd been here. But it was several years ago. And a dog. And I knew that dogs wasn't supposed to be in the front yard. And here come a dog coming after me. And he didn't look friendly. And he got to a particular part in that yard. He just stopped. And I realized that there was an invisible line that that owner had placed on that dog and put a collar around his neck. And when that dog got to that particular place, a shock factor happened. And I was thanking God for a wall. I really, really was. But some walls that we are behind are not physical look-at walls. They're invisible walls that keep us locked in from being the people that God wants us to be. And I'm trying to preach to you today the joy genome, the thing that you need in your life. it, It doesn't matter what your status is. It doesn't matter if you're broke, busted, and disgusted. It does not matter if you're flying high. It doesn't matter if you just got a promotion last week or you just lost everything you had last week. That, does, that really is not what I'm talking about today. But the joy genome is the master blueprint of joy. And joy is not what is around you. Hmm. Joy is what Jesus gave to you. That's why he told a woman, if you ever drink this water You will never thirst again. I will give you a well of water springing up into everlasting life. That's joy unspeakable. Here's a statement. So so don't put it up yet. Here's here's a statement that I think every one of you need to put on your refrigerator, okay? I'm going to say it first and we're going to all say it together. My joy is not determined by what happens to me but what Christ is doing in me and through me. Let's all say it together. My joy is not determined by what happens to me, but what Christ is doing in me and through me. Say it again. My joy is not determined by what happens to me, but what Christ is doing in me and through me. Turn to somebody and say it to them. My joy is not determined by what happens to me, but what Christ is doing in me and through me. I'm going to tell you, it does not matter if your home is broken. It does not matter if things are going downhill. It does not matter if things are over the hill in your life and you say, I'll never have that joy again. Yes, you will. Because joy is not determined on what you possess from the world Joy is determined of what you have from Almighty God. And in the middle of your drought, you can still rejoice. In the middle of your prison, you can still rejoice. In the middle of sadness, you can still rejoice. In the middle of kids not doing well, you can still rejoice because that's the joy genome. There's a term. There's a defense mechanism called jujitsu. I'm not a jujitsu expert. I'm not a taekwondo expert. We've got them in this church, but I'm not one of them. I am their best friend, though. (laughs) And jujitsu is a concept that was organized around the principle of using your opponent's energy or his weight against him wow so paul said i'm in chains i'm in chains but i'm going to use it against them i have a captive audience history said they had to change the praetorian guards who were the most lethal guards there were just ten thousand of them in rome they were so mean and so lethal they could almost kill you by looking at you they were bad to the bone but they had to be changed about every four or five hours Because Paul would convert them. That's that's, that's what you call joy (laughs) jujitsu. You think you've got me chained down. But while I'm chained down, I'm going to preach the gospel to this old boy I'm chained to. Because he don't understand. I'm not chained to him. He's chained to me. Somebody going to get this in a little while. You can't allow the things of this world to weigh you down. You've got to understand that if God places you in this position, he's placing you here so that the gospel can still be preached. And it does not matter what comes against you. Put yourself a pulpit right in your prison and stand up and say, I'm still going to rejoice in the Lord all the days of my life because I have the joy genome." Paul always wanted to preach in Rome. He always wanted to preach in Rome, but now he's getting a chance to preach in Rome. He's just in chains. Now, I don't know jujitsu, but I know the principle. My dad used to flip us boys when we were kids. Brad, come here. I'm not going to flip you. Come here. (laughs) When I was just a wee boy like his boy Windsor, okay, my grandson. I have three great-grandsons. Can you let me talk about them? Okay, Oh, I won't because it's getting late. Okay, my dad used to do this. My dad was 6'4". Stand right here, Brad. My dad was 6'4". And wait about... Brad, let's see. Get on this side, Brad. Get on this side. Because I don't want to turn my back to the audience. Okay, because my dad always used his right arm. My dad would get down like this, okay? Down like this and hold his arm out. And that was our launching point. And we would come running like banshees to my father. okay? You got to get this. And my dad, strong as a a bull, my dad would hold his arm and we would leap and hit our thighs right here, trusting my dad implicitly that he was going to take care of us. And when we would hit his arm, Brad, just come on. I'm not going to flip you. All right, Dad would catch us right here and our momentum would flip us. And dad would grab the back of our head and lift up this arm and throw us. And hold our head so we wouldn't hit on our head and then let us go. It was the greatest flip because we didn't have a diving board for a swimming pool. <laughs> we learned how to flip on dry ground. So when I finally did get a swimming pool, I could flip because my dad had used the method of flipping me. And we'd do it again and again and again. And finally, my dad would say, sons, I'm too tired to do it anymore. I might, I might drop you. And we'd say, Dad, one more time. And Dad would do it one more time. I remember doing stuff like this for 20, 25 times. It was like, Daddy, do it again. It's like a kid in a swimming pool. Or a dad in a swimming pool. The kid said, Daddy, catch me, catch me. Dad, flip us one more time. Okay, come on, come on, come on. And we'd come, he'd catch our head, and boom, and hold us and throw us off. We'd land on our feet and just keep running. That's what you need to do to the things that want to hold you bound. You need to get down in that stance and say, come on, boy. Come on. Come at me. Just come at me. I've got a little arm here waiting on you. And as soon as you get here, I'm going to catch you. I'm going to catch you by the nap of the neck. I'm going to raise this arm in praise. I'm going to flip you off. and time I get you flipped off, I'm going to still be... It happened in our family, and I'm trying to make a point to you. It doesn't matter what comes flipping your way. It doesn't matter what comes running your way. Get back and say, when you're gone, I'm still going to bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Paul was using that spiritually in prison. You know, even if you don't get released from your prisons in life, it's not about that. It's about rejoicing in them. It's about understanding that you can have joy in your pain. You can have joy in your sorrow. You can have joy in your heartache. You can have joy in your trial. You can have joy in your times of stress. Joseph was thrown in prison in Genesis 39 because he ran from a woman who wanted to lay with him. He didn't deserve prison. All he'd ever done was help people. I'm looking at people just like that, but he was thrown in prison. But he had a purpose in prison. He met a man, introduced him to Pharaoh. Pharaoh had dreams that need to be interpreted. He interpreted those dreams right, and Pharaoh put him second in command, and, and Joseph was put second in command and saved his family and a nation of Israel from famine because he did not, he did not go down in prison. He kept rejoicing in prison. Daniel got thrown into prison, really a lion's den. He really did. And the lion did no harm to Daniel. And Darius, a cruel king, came the next morning and said, Daniel, are you still there? And he said, oh, king, live forever. And the Bible said that Darius commanded the whole nation, the whole nation, to start worshiping the God of Daniel. One man, oh, hallelujah, coming through a lion's den one night turned the whole nation and to worshiping the God of Israel here's what I'm trying to tell you it does not matter what comes against us you've got to have that kind of mentality you really do but when it comes you've got to rejoice anyhow because here's the point the point is the gospel has got to be preached you've got to continue to preach the gospel and when you're hurting the gospel still has got to be preached and when you're defeated the gospel still has to be preached and when you've lost your family the gospel still has to be preached that's the joy genome that's what What it's all about—that's what Jesus put inside of all of us. Jesus was thrown in prison; it was called a grave. But he took the keys from his prison, and when he came out of that grave, we started proclaiming that he is risen and we're still proclaiming it today. No matter what your prison is today, sickness, pain, family, children, no matter what your prison is today, there's a joy genome that wants to be the blueprint of your happiness and joy in your life. And it's not what happens around you, it's what happens inside of you. Because Paul said it again, what does it matter? See, God's creating character. What does it matter? God's creating the resiliency inside of you. And when your status can be negative and your joy can be positive, hell don't know what to do with you. That's the beauty of this thing called joy. Amen. I know depression is real. I know that down times come. That's why you have to express continually. And I'm not talking about happiness. I'm not talking about happenings. I'm talking about real joy. I rejoice in all things. I'm going to tell you a story I've told before, but many people were not here when I told it, so I'm going to tell it again. (laughs) An old farmer had an old mule who was so lazy that he mows it over to a well one day, looking down in the well and fell in the well. And he was so old, the farmer decided to get all of his neighbors to come, and they were just going to bury the old mule. He didn't want to hear him braying down there in that well. For many days before he died, the well was all dried up, and it had not been covered up. And so they just decided to start shoveling dirt. So many, many farmers helped this old farmer, and they just started putting dirt in that well to bury the old mule alive. But the mule had something that they didn't realize. He had resiliency. Because every time that dirt hit him, he'd shake it off and step up. And here come another bundle of dirt. He'd just shake that off and step up. Another bundle, he'd shake it off and step up. Shake it off and step up, and pretty soon, he just walked right out of the well. We used to have a, we used to have a little Sunday school song. I'm going to see how many people know Sunday school songs. We used to have a Sunday school song when I was a kid. It went something like this. I got the... Okay, we're going to see how well you know it. Okay, who really knows that song? Who really knows that song? Who knows that song that can sing? Don't raise your hand if you can't sing. Who knows that song that can sing? All right, Jewel. Do you know that song, Jewel? Tony, do you know that song? You don't know that song. Your son said you knew that song. Your son's telling something about your joy that you're not telling back to him. You know that song, Jewel? You think so? Oh, I need the whole thing. Who knows the whole song? See, huh? You know it, hon? Holly, come here. Come here, Holly. Come here. You know the whole song? Give her a microphone. Get her a mic. You know the whole song, Holly? You know it all? You promise? Cross your heart. Come on. Come on. Give Holly a hand here. (laughs) Sweet lady. All right, bring her a mic. All right? Now, I'm going to hold the mic because if I give it to you, you might keep it. I'm gonna hold it. Okay. Alright, now. Holly's gonna sing a song, and we're gonna see how much she knows this song. Okay, y'all gonna help her? Yes. Okay, Holly, you ready? Yes. All right, sing it. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Where? Ah, you got it! Down you know it! In, yeah. Down in my heart. Where? Where? Down in my heart. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down and then we sang, and I'm so happy. I'm so happy. I got the love of Jesus in my heart, in my heart. I'm so happy. <laughs> I've got the love of Jesus in my heart. You know the second verse? No, no, no. I don't want. that's not the one I want. Well, which one do you want? And if the devil doesn't like if you can sit, sit on, on a, a <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Holly. Woo. Yeah. Yeah. Some of y'all need to go back and start singing the joy of the Lord in your life. The joy of the Lord in your life. And when things come on, you need to shake it off and just step up. Shake it off and just step up. Shake it off and just step up shake it off and just step up because I'm promising you it doesn't matter what prison you're in the gospel still must be preached. Amen. Amen. The Bible said in Colossians Christ and use the hope of glory. Philippians says Jesus is our joy. So my joy is in Jesus because Jesus is in me. I will close with a little story here today that I think is so cute. It's a cute story. There used to be a big old mean dog that laid on a porch that didn't like little dogs. (laughs) And every day, a little fife, a little, a little, a little chihuahua dog, would come by and yap at him. (laughs) Some of you never heard me preach, you're thinking, my God, he's lost his mind. (laughs) But I'm trying to preach something in the middle of summer that'll put some joy in you. And that dog would bark because he knew that the gate that held that dog in was always locked. <laughs> and he'd just come and bark, and that big old dog would come off that porch and go to that gate and just try his best to get through that gate to that little dog. And the little dog just yap around and just turn in circles. And, yay, 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 yay. <laughs> and every day he would walk by prance by and have him a little barking time. And one day, he didn't look up before he came to the gate, and he started barking. And all of a sudden, before he knew it, that big dog was right on him. And I hear that the last thing the little dog said was, who left the gate open? But if you're going to tell it French style, you have to put a little word in there. Who left the gate open? I would like for the enemy of your soul that's been yapping at you. Yap, 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 yap. See, they're not the bad dog. You are. You're what's bad. Hell can't handle you when your flag is unfurled. Hell can't handle you. Oh my Lord. Hell runs when you get full force. Praise and worship and joy absolutely annihilates hell. And hell becomes a little Fife and you become the massive one. I wish today that if I could do one thing I would do it. I wish I could open your gate. Just open your gate and say, hell's barking again and just let you run and get right in hell's face and see what hell has to say when the gate is left open. Because these invisible walls and these visible walls that are holding us from becoming the complete people that God wants us to be needs to be shattered in our life. And even if they're not shattered, we need to get outside the walls with our spirit. Joseph is called a fruitful bough. The Bible said his his fruit and his branch shall reach over the wall. There are some people that may be on this side of a wall, but your bough and your fruit reaches over the wall. And it does not matter if you're confined to situations all your life. It does not change the joy genome. You can have joy in the middle of the night, you can have contentment in your prison house. You can know that I will continue to rejoice at all times, even if you're sitting in the middle of a funeral, a courtroom. A bankruptcy court. Wherever you are, you can have the joy of the Lord. Amen? You can have the joy of the Lord. Stand to your feet right now all over the house. Let's clap our hands for the Lord right now. Let's clap our hands for the Lord right now. Let's clap our hands for the Lord. Clap our hands for the Lord right now. Clap our hands for the Lord right now. Clap our hands for the Lord right now. Amen, 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 amen. Amen. By the way, Holly can sing. My God. I should have gave her the mic. She can sing. Uh-oh, I shouldn't have found that out. Y'all shouldn't have found that out You know what all of you can sing You all can sing You all can sing It's time to sing the song of the redeemed It's time to understand That the well may be deep But with joy we're going to draw water Out of the wells of salvation We're going to have the joy genome in our life The master print The blueprint of our life Is going to be joy Amen It's going to be joy The thing that makes everything click in my life Is joy The thing that makes everything run in my life is the pure joy of the Lord. Amen. And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.